Well, welcome to the Hills and happy Easter Sunday. If you're watching online or if you're in person at our Keller campus or West Fort Worth campus, North Richland Hills or wherever you are around the world, I am so thrilled that you decided to spend part of Easter Sunday with us. It is my favorite day of the year because it declares a truth that if it is true, changes everything. I think it's the most important thing you could possibly investigate. There is no single thing you need to decide is true more than this. Did Jesus Christ come back from the dead? I've done my research. I've looked at the evidence. I've made my decision. I have invested my life and trusted my eternity on the truthfulness of the claim that Jesus of Nazareth has come back from the dead. And there's nothing I'd rather declare. And so I'm thrilled that I get to do it with you today. And I'm excited about the message I feel like God put on my heart to preach actually several months ago in a time of prayer. But I began in a courtroom because last week I had to go to court. Don't jump to conclusions. My brother and I are co-executors of my father's will. And so we appeared last Monday in probate court. I've never done this before. And so a lawyer walked us through what was going to happen. You'll go in before the judge. You will raise your right hand. The judge will say, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth? So help you God. You just need to say, I do. And then I will lead you through the whole process. Simple enough. The judge called me up, asked me to hold up my right hand. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth? So help you God. I said, amen. I mean, I do. <laughs> because I can so mindlessly slip into Christian speak, especially on a day like today. Jesus is Lord. He is risen. The tomb is empty. I believe all those things with everything within me. And yet here's the reality. Those words are empty as the tomb. If Easter is just a day rather than a reality by which we live every day. So that has been my prayer for you now for several months that today I could say something that could help you understand that Easter is not just a truth to believe. It is a power to receive. And that more than ever today, Easter would come to life. And so the text the Lord laid on my heart to preach is interesting because in my several decades of preaching on Easter Sunday, I have never preached this text. And I'm excited to do it. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. We'll get there in just a moment, but let me set the context. Jesus has been preaching in Galilee on the west side of the Sea of Galilee because that's where all the Jews lived. The other side was Gentile country, and no one had any use for that side. Jesus is experiencing a revival. It's late at night. They're exhausted. It's been a long day, and he says, let's go to the other side. And the disciples are thinking, it's already getting dark, and I'm tired, and besides, what's over there? But they get in the boat, and they start across the lake, and they hit a furious storm. I mean, so bad that these experienced 
sailors are freaking out, and Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep. So they wake him up, and Jesus rebukes the wind and the wave, and the whole sea calms down, and then they really start to freak out. And then the text says in verse 1, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, I happened to be on that lake just a few weeks ago when I took this picture. That is the region of the Gerasenes from a boat on the Sea of Galilee. That is where they were going. And as they got near the shore, they began to realize that they were about to face a storm that was scarier than the one they had just gone through. So let's keep reading. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now, clearly something really unusual is going on. That 2,000 years ago, 2,000 pigs suddenly rush into a lake. And by the way, pigs don't stampede. Something supernatural is happening here. I took a picture. This is where that happened. That is the slope where this miracle took place. And when those pigs stampeded down that slope, the people watching them went into town to tell everybody what had happened, and the people came out. And then we get to one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. When they came to Jesus... They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And in a place where people took the dead, one man had come to life. So, the big question behind this story why did Jesus cross the lake? Did he not know that they were about to engage a furious storm? Did he not know there were nothing but Gentiles on the other side of the lake? Did he not know that he was in the middle of a huge revival right where he was? Why did Jesus cross the lake? Well, if Jesus was anything, he was a man on a mission. And maybe that explains his unusual choice for a place to disembark. Now realize, this whole boat is full of Jewish people. They get close to the shore, and they see something. Tombs. 
unclean to a Jewish man. They smell something. Pigs. Unclean to a Jewish man. And then they hear something. Blood-curdling, demonic screaming. In a cemetery. In the dark. And they faintly see the image of a naked man bleeding and screaming and running around. And Jesus says, hey, boys, let me out right here. Are you kidding me? Demons and pigs and tombs, I ain't getting off the boat. But Jesus does. And right off the bat, we learn a couple of things about Jesus. One is he doesn't run from death. He runs to it. The place we don't want to go is the place he wants to be. He didn't see a place where death reigned. He saw a place where he could announce his reign. Jesus is about to turn a cemetery into a seminary. He is about to turn a prison into a mission. Because when he saw that man, even though it was marred, even though it was blurred, Jesus could still see the image of God. The man had no hope. He had no peace. He had no community. He had no clothes. But Jesus still saw a man made in the image of God. And he wanted the man to come to life. And that's the second big idea. That Jesus doesn't just offer life after death. He offers life instead of death. If you don't get this, you're missing Easter. And it's just a day and not a way to live. That the good news of Easter is that not only does death not have the last word, but death doesn't have to have the present word. When Jesus showed up after his friend Lazarus had died and Martha, Lazarus' sister, runs out to meet him. Lord, if you had been here, he, she says, he wouldn't have died. Listen to the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will have life even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now, please notice, he did not say, I will be the resurrection and the life. Someday you will understand that I am stronger than death. After you die, you will experience resurrection and life. He didn't say I will be. He said I am. He said there is right now, by faith in me, the possibility of experiencing a kind of life that death can't touch. He's not offering life after death. He's offering life instead of death. Because Easter is not just a truth to believe. It is a power to receive. That the risen Christ, the one who defied death, is bidding us to come to life. And here's what that looks like. Number one, it means that Jesus can redeem our past. You see, the past can be a really good classroom. It makes a terrible prison. It's like the story of the two boys. They're sharing a hospital room, and the first boy says to the second, why are you in here? Second boy says, I'm getting something called a tonsillectomy. First boy says, oh, that's no sweat. I had one of those. You'll be asleep for a little bit. You'll wake up. They'll give you all the popsicles and ice cream you want. You go home the next day. Cool. Why are you here? 
first boy says, I'm getting something called a circumcision. Horror came over the face of that second boy. He said, I got one of those when I was a baby. I couldn't walk for a year. So here's the point. We all have a memory in our past that still haunts us. And how many of you see your primary identity through the lens of the mistakes that you have made or the wounds that you have received? Because that's how people can see with that man. The stories of his insanity, the stories of his impurity, all they could see was what he had been. Only Jesus could see what he could be. Because I am does as is. He knows your story. He knows what you did. He knows what someone did to you. And Jesus refuses to let iniquity become anybody's identity. One of the more popular stories in the Gospels 2,000 years later is called the story of the woman caught in adultery. You remember that story? A woman was brought before Jesus caught in adultery. It was a trap. And we call her still by her sin. Jesus never called her that. If you ask Jesus about that story, he'd say, oh yeah, the story of the woman I did not throw a stone at. I love that story because Jesus never labels anybody by the worst thing that ever happened to them. He turns stains into stories. Romans 4 says Jesus was given to die for our sins and he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. The resurrection of Jesus announces your sin or the sin someone committed against you. It cannot keep you from being right with God. There is no sin that can keep you from connecting to God. I read in a magazine a couple of years ago about this guy. His name is Sean Hopwood. He gets out of high school. He has no real purpose. College didn't work for him. The military didn't work for him. He liked to party. He needed money. He and a friend decided to rob banks. So they rob banks. They're with guns. They get arrested. He's sentenced at the age of 23 to 12 years in federal prison. While he's in prison, he discovers he has a skill, writing briefs for people, appealing their sentence. He's good at it. In fact, one of his briefs went all the way to the Supreme Court. So when he gets out of prison, he gets a job doing that. He meets a girl. She wants a pastor to marry them, so they have to do premarital counseling. And in the first session, the pastor says, what's your relationship with God? And basically, Sean says, I don't have one. I can't have one. I rob banks. I pointed guns at people. And the pastor said, Jesus Christ can cleanse us of every sin, Sean, including yours. And Sean made three great decisions. One was to accept Christ. One was to marry that girl. And one was to apply and get accepted in law school. Today, Sean is an author and appellate lawyer, and he teaches law at Georgetown University, and he tells his students about Jesus. And here's what the scripture says. If anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You cannot rewrite the past, but you can be released from it. You don't have to stay in the cemetery of your own mistakes and wounds. Jesus is bidding you 
to come to life. And here's what he's going to do to make that happen. He's going to revive your strength. You notice it said that that man would cry out and cut himself with stones. Cutting is not a new method of self-harm. It's just one of many self-destructive ways people choose to numb their pain. And the irony is that this is a strong man. He can break physical chains, but he cannot break free of the bondage that is hurting him. Do you think he wanted to cut himself with stones? Do you think he wanted to keep doing the thing that was destroying him? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you? You said, I'm not going to take another drink. My addiction is killing me. But you did. I'm not going to pop another pill to numb the pain. But you did. I am not going to click on that link and look at those kind of pictures anymore. But you do. I am not going to lose it in front of my kids and scream at them ever again. Ask your kids how that's working. I am not going to nag and beat him down. I'm going to build him up. But you aren't. I am not going to spend another night by myself just staring at screens. I know I need to get out with people to get better. But you stay home. Why do we keep doing things that we know are hurting us? Because we're weak. And Jesus knows that too. And so the good news of Easter is that if death couldn't tell Jesus to stay where he was, then death can't compel you to stay where you are. That it's not Jesus coming into the cemetery saying, if you would hurry up and get strong, then you could come to me. It's Jesus coming into the cemetery saying, come to me and I will help you get strong. This morning, I got an email from a man who heard my message last night. He said, uh, I was battling alcoholism for 30 years. I started attending Celebrate Recovery, a program for people with addictions at our church. I'm 434 days into sobriety. <laughs> Romans 6 says, when we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and shared his death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead by the wonderful power of the Father, we also can live a new life. Remember, it's not just a truth to believe. Easter is a power to receive. It's not just the announcement of an event. It is an invitation to an experience. Listen to Paul as he continues to explain. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by the same spirit living within you. That the promise is that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available and that we can receive that spirit and we can start living in ways that death can't touch anymore. 
This church is filled with people who will testify that the spirit living in them has freed them from the chains that used to be on them. That the issue is not the possibility of freedom. The issue is the necessity of trusting the one who entered into your cemetery and said, you don't have to stay here. Come to life. But to stop old behaviors, you have to start thinking new thoughts. And that's another great thing about Easter. It means that Jesus can renew our minds. They saw the man. He wasn't screaming and running around. He was just sitting with Jesus. He wasn't naked anymore. He was dressed. And he was in his right mind. A scholar and theologian N.T. Wright tells a story of a colleague of his who came to Christ as a teenager in England. His parents were disturbed. His mother said, they're a cult and they have brainwashed you. And he replied, mother, if you knew the kind of things I was thinking, you would know I needed my brain to be washed. (laughs) You see, Jesus knows that one of the reasons we get stuck where we are is that we have all these voices. These voices in our heads, these thoughts that aren't helping us and often are hurting us. And so his invitation includes deliverance from stinking thinking. Freedom is going to be a challenge until you challenge the way you've been thinking. The scripture says in Romans 12, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And so here's what happens. When the indwelling spirit of God comes and makes his home in you, you start to have the capacity to discern between thoughts. Suddenly you are able to recognize the voices that incarcerate from the voice that will liberate. Because Jesus wants our minds to come to life. And that's why I think one of the most important series I will ever preach starts next Sunday. I'm calling it, let's talk about mental health. I don't have to make a case. You already know we have a mental health crisis in our country. We're going to talk about it. I think it's going to be authentic. I think it's going to be empathetic. And I think it will be helpful. Because Jesus views no one as hopeless. He will get off the boat anywhere for anybody. I love retelling the illustration about Antonio Stradivarius. You know that Stradivarius violins are the most sought after and expensive in the world. But he was not a wealthy man. He couldn't afford the best wood. He had to go down to the harbor and get waterlogged wood, take them back to his shop, clean it up to make his instruments. And what no one knew at the time is that the microbes in the water were eating the fibrous infrastructure, creating chambers in the wood that caused the music to resonate. The wood that nobody wanted has become the instrument that everybody treasures. And this is what Jesus does. He goes into the cemetery 
He goes and finds the people that nobody wants to be around anymore. And he calls them out. He bids them to come to life. And here's why he can do this. Because Jesus can deliver us from evil. Now, I don't know what you think about Jesus. But when you read the records of Jesus, you have to admit, Jesus believed in the reality of supernatural evil. That behind the power of death, there were very real powers of darkness. And he didn't come to explain those powers as much as he came to expel them. One of Jesus' best friends, a man named John, summed up Jesus this way. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's why I think Jesus let the demons go into the pigs. He wanted a visible testimony. He wanted a testimony that Satan's a destroyer and that he can destroy what the destroyer wants to do. That's why they drown. Let me tell you something about pigs. Not only do they not stampede, they can swim. They can't fly, but they can swim. And these pigs suddenly rush down into a lake and they drown. And Jesus is making the point, that's what the destroyer wants to do to you. But I can destroy what the destroyer wants to do to you. And every time Jesus confronts evil powers, evil powers get an eviction notice. Destruction is expelled and resurrection is experienced. And it happens all over the world. It happens all over this church. It happened to Sammy, one of our young ladies who grew up here. And I want you for a moment to hear her story. In 2020, basically, I was, I was really struggling with my mental health. COVID-19 hit when I was in high school. 2020 was my graduation year. I was really mad at God during that time. I was like, why are you putting me through this? My mental health just was not good. I started hurting myself. I would cut myself. I would lay in bed all day. I couldn't get up. I was always afraid to go out and talk to people. I had severe, like really bad social anxiety because like I just, I felt horrible and I didn't want people to know what was going on. And I just really felt like um, I was alone. I was in a really dark place. I realized that this isn't normal and I need to figure this out. I didn't feel that connection to God. And I think that was a big thing I was missing was feeling that connection to God and that joy of his presence. Then I was introduced to Ryan Young at church and Ryan Young spoke about this thing called CR. He talked about hurts, habits, hangups. And so I was like, I oh, checked off the box. I was like, okay, I think I need this. I walk in the room and I'm greeted and everyone was just so nice and friendly, but like I could feel God's presence in the room. I, it filled me up. Like I feel lighter. I didn't feel like I was an outcast. 
when I picked up my blue chip, I made the decision and I decided I was going to stop cutting myself. Just going through the 12-step process and recognizing that, like, I have all this guilt and shame. But I don't, I don't need it, I don't need it chaining me down. Like, I don't need that bondage in my life. And I haven't cut myself in a year now. And I got my one-year chip a couple weeks ago. I did a whole 180 on my whole personality. Just, I, I got better. I think the main thing I was hearing during that process was, I don't need to be ashamed. I don't need to feel guilty because God loves you no matter what. There's a lot of possibility right now. There's a lot of hope compared to the past where I felt hopeless. A year later, I'm, I'm full of hope. Like, I just feel so excited for the future. I never realized God had a purpose for me. Then suddenly, I realize he has a purpose for me. And now I'm just so excited to do that. Amen. Let's celebrate with Sammy. Her story's been told hundreds of millions of times since Jesus left the tomb. And it's told all over this church. And again, that's why I say it just grieves me. If Easter for you is just a day and not a way that you could live every day. So back to the original question, why did Jesus cross the lake? Not to rebuke demons. It was to restore the image of God in a man. I want to go back and look at verse 6, but this time from the New King James Version. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. You say, my Bible doesn't say that. No, your Bible says he fell down. He bowed down. It's the word worship. It's the strongest word for worship in the Bible. It's the word used in Revelation when the elders and the angels and the saints bow before the throne. This man worshiped Jesus. So why didn't it translate worship? Because we just think, well, he couldn't have been worshiping because he was full of demons. No, he was worshiping. He's not the exception. He's the example. Here's what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. Yes, it was blurred, and yes, it was marred, but this man was still made in the image of God. And no person is so hopeless or so bound that they ever get in a place where they can't cry out to Jesus. And no cemetery is so dark that he won't enter it and release them. And that's true, even if there's a cross in that cemetery. Because Jesus doesn't run from death. He runs to it. And he went toward death so that we could come to life. Years ago, I read a story about a man who owned a restaurant, made a mistake. 
The restaurant was closed. He was putting money in the safe. He didn't lock the back door. Some men came in with guns. They shot him. They robbed him. Left him in a pool of his own blood. The paramedics rushed him to the ER. And as the doctors prepared, he could see on their faces that they did not think he would make it. So he took control of the moment. When the nurse said, are you allergic to anything? He said, yes. Everyone stopped. He said, bullets. <laughs> and after they stopped laughing, he said, now listen, I am choosing to live. You operate on me like I have chosen to live, not like I'm about to die. Now, I don't know what cemetery you've spent the most time in. Regrets over things you can't undo or things done to you you can't fix. Addictions or struggles you've had such trouble putting away. Thoughts that just keep haunting you. I don't know what cemetery you've spent the most time in. I don't know where you are, but I know you don't have to stay there. You can choose to live. Because Easter is not just a day. And it's not just a truth to believe. It is a power to receive. And the risen Christ has gotten off the boat right where you are. And he's asking, are you going to stay there? Or are you going to come to life? Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for being the God that turns graves into gardens. Jesus, thank you for dying so that we don't have to live like dead people walking. And thank you for coming to life so that we can start to taste the life that death can't touch. And Holy Spirit, give us now the courage to be honest about where we are and whether or not we want to stay there. I'm believing, Jesus, that you're going to do it again. And many graves are going to become gardens today. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen.